everybody doing this morning? Like that? I must not be doing too good. <laughs> How everybody doing this morning? <laughs> Amen. Uh, my name is Denard. One more for y'all that don't know me. I'm the intern here at Strong Tower. Uh, I've been here a little over what year and a half, one or two years. Time go quick. Time go fast. Uh, but if you have your Bibles with me uh, or with you, uh, we're gonna be at Psalms one. from the ESV to say blessed is the man that walks not who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in his season and his leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers the wicked are not so, but are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let us pray. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this day, O oh God. Just as we've been singing, Lord, we know you sovereign, we know you mighty, O oh Lord that you are powerful, that you are a holy and righteous God, O oh Lord. And we just praise you for who you are, Lord. We, we thank you for each and every day. That's, that's a blessing, Lord. We know we say it over and over and over again that tomorrow is not promised, Lord, but help us to, to live like that. As Moses cried out in Psalms 90, teach us to number our days, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord, as we dig into your word, Lord, and, and we see the two ways, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, O oh Lord. Help us search our hearts, O oh God. We ask that you search our hearts, O Lord, and lead us to the true path. Lead us to the path that you know, O Lord. Use me, Lord. I know I'm nothing, O God. And I just pray for the Holy Spirit to, to lead and, and guide all my words and my thoughts, O Lord. And we praise you, O God. We humble ourselves before, before you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a seat. <laughs> So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in this season, and his leaf does not wither. And so the title of the sermon is, is True Blessedness, or the, the True Blessing. And so keep that in mind as we go through the text, because we see it's only two ways, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And so how does that tie into the true blessing? It's, it's only one way that leads to the true blessing. And this is significant once I started asking questions like, what do you consider to be blessed or what do you consider to be happiness? So think about those things. Because in our culture, it's, it's, it's many programs and, and ideologies and, and philosophies and concepts and ideas of what happiness is. Yet in this song, we only see two ways, and only one leads to the true blessing. Even in the culture now, with, with social media, everything is about you now. If he or she can't make you happy, if they're not about you, 
if the church can't do this for you? If the church can do this for me, if my husband or wife can do this for me, if my kids would just do this for me, then I would be happy. Is that the true path to happiness? It's to have all your desires met. Think about that. The way of the the righteous and the way of the wicked. What is the way of happiness? What is the way of true blessing? And society cries out, maybe not verbally uttering the words, but in their hearts they crying out with with the writer of Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Because everybody's searching high and low, far and wide, and every crack and crevice, but they can't find happiness. And if we're honest, even within our own churches, we still struggle to find happiness. And so with those things, keep that in mind as we go through the text. And, and, and as we enter the text, we see the first thing it says is blessed. Blessed is the man. And so the word blessed is, is actually a plural word. And that's important because it's showing that it's not just one blessing, but it's a variety of blessing. It's a fullness of blessing. It's a multitude of blessings. Blessed is the man. Oh, happy is the man. Or how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But what is the counsel of the wicked? The wicked are are those who are ungodly. Those who are godless. Who reject God's way. They don't turn to God in prayer. They live by their own wisdom and their own counsel. They live by their own advice and say, I'm going to do life on my own terms. And they inviting the righteous man to say, hey, come live like this. Walk according to this counsel. Walk according to this advice. But the blessed man says no. Nor does he stand in the way of sinners. Sinners are those who are inclined to sin, not saying the wicked or not, but it's a different level. Now, the sinner lives according to his own moral compass. Not living according to the morality of God's word, but living according to the compass of his own heart. But this is how the Bible describes his compass. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can know it? That's the compass that he lives by. That's the compass in which he's inviting a blessed man to live by. Throw off the chains of morality of God's word and live according to your own counsel. Live according to your own morality. And it says, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. And so the scoffer is another level. It's not just rejecting the counsel of religion or excuse me, uh, the, 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 the way of religion. It's not just going according to the their own moral counsel now, or their moral comp, excuse me, but now they're mocking the things of God. They make light of the things of God. They make front of the things of God. Now to them, the blessed man, even though they invite him, he looks foolish because he's trusting in the Lord. You really believe? You really believe in a God that came in the flesh? You really believe in a God that that was crucified? That sounds like foolishness. You really believe the ancient scriptures? They outdated. They're irrelevant. 
They fairy tales, they fables. That's, that's what the scoffer says. Just as wisdom sat by the roadside calling out for the simple to hear, so the scoffer does the same thing on the opposite side of the road and said, come, come, this is the way of blessing. Not just following your own counsel, not just following your own morality, but following in, mocking the very thing that is the true way of happiness. The irony. But the Bible describes them like this. It says, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Think about that. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Wow. I mean, that's quite a description. And so as we get into continuing the song, we, we see what the, the, the blessed man or the righteous person don't do. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers. And we see this is progressive, right? They start to walk, stand, and sit. Sin is, is a slow fade. It might just start out with rejecting religion. And then, you know, I'm just living, I'm just doing my thing. It, it starts that, like that, then it graduates to I'm just doing my thing, then it graduates to what? That's stupid. That makes absolutely no sense. And so if he's rejecting these things, well, well what does he do? That's the negative aspect of it. But the positive aspect, it says, but his delight. But th think about what that's saying. Because the scriptures are written the way they're written for a reason. And so when it said, but his delight, listen to that. But is the conjunction. Not trying to give you an English lesson. But it's showing us a contrast. It's saying, but his delight, or excuse me, on the contrary, his delight, as opposed to the delight of what we just heard. So what I'm trying to tell you, what the text is telling you, is that the, the, the wicked take delight in their counsel. The sinner take delight in the way they walk. The scoffer takes delight in their scoffing, and they're inviting the blessed man to do that, and it's saying, but no, on the contrary, he has different delights. He has a delight that's totally contrary to what they're offering, and it says it's the word of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night, and the result of that is he is like a tree planted by streams of water, freshly supplied, abundantly applied, abundantly sourced. And so I want us to think about something with the blessed man, with the, with, with the righteous man. If we think about what's just being said, it's like a reverse chronological movie, right? Where they start with the end to draw you in and then go right back to the beginning, right? And so in essence, this is what the psalmist is doing. This is what the psalmist is doing. Because I want to show that the, the, the true way of blessing is, 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 is God's presence. It's, it's obedience, but before obedience comes right affections, and before right affections comes right thinking. 
And so he starts with the obedience of the blessed man, what he doesn't do because he draws us in. Because if we pray and we read and we meditate on the scriptures, we should ask why. Why do he reject the counsel of the wicked? Why don't he walk in that way? Why don't he sit in that seat? So the psalmist draws us in and he starts backwards. He starts with the obedience. He starts with the fruit. And we see he does those things because he delights in the law of the Lord. His affections is bent towards God's word. His affections is bent towards the things of God. He takes delight in those things. He takes joy in those things. He takes pleasure in those things. Then the next question is, well, why do he take delight and joy and pleasure in those things? And it's because he's thinking rightly, because it says on his law, he meditates day and night. He ruminates on the word of God. He memorizes the word of God. He reads the word of God. He listens to the word of God. He prays the word of God. He speaks the word of God. Day and night, poetic language for all day long. And so Moses, after he lived his life and he passed the reins on to Joshua, the first thing the Lord says to Joshua was what? Be courageous. But how? But how? Meditate on this law day and night that you may be careful to do everything that is in it and your way will prosper. And your way will prosper. And so I want to read a couple of Psalms to show the reality aside from Joshua that, that the principle that, that the scriptures teaches us is that if we think right, we will feel right. And when we feel right, we would do right. The, way, the things you do and the way you feel is affected by how you think. Psalms 119, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Meditate. Listen to those words. Listen to meditate and delight. I would delight in your statues. I would not forget your word. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors, not the way of the wicked. Your testimonies are my delight and they are my counselors. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. I find delight in your commandments, which I love. I lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statues. Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, day and night. So think about that. Think about how you think is how you feel and how you feel affects the things you do. Right. And I want to show one more Old Testament example. And then we go to the New Testament. Show this is not just something of the Old Testament. This is not just something that was done with Israel because they only had the first five books and because they read from scrolls and everybody didn't have access to the word. This is God's way of blessing. Thinking rightly according to truth, that truth moving you and your affections, which is why we worship and us doing the right thing based on those. So if we go to Genesis three, 
If you follow it along, And I was just meditating on this. Genesis 3, one of my favorite chapters. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, just so much depth, right? But think about that concept. Think about the concept and, and listen to what is being said. Because the serpent didn't come to the woman and say, hey, Eve, how do you feel about what God just said? He just said, hey, hey. How do you feel about God holding that tree back? Did he attack her feelings first or did he attack her mind? Did he say, did God really say? So they enjoy in the garden. They can eat from any tree in the garden. One tree that God kept off limits. Perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect harmony, no sin, Nothing, just absolute bliss. And the devil comes and say, did God really say? They was experiencing God's goodness. And the serpent come and drop a thought in their mind and say, you know what? Despite all of that, maybe God isn't good. Why would he hold back this tree? He's not attacking her feelings. He's attacking how she's thinking about God, how she's seeing these things. But look at what the text says, if you with me. Verse 6. So when a woman saw that the tree was good for food. But understand, that's not a physical scene. She, she was looking at the tree the whole time. It is dealing with the mind. She understood in a different way that the tree was good. Her understanding changed. But look at what it says. Because now we go to the affections, we go to the feelings. So when a woman saw, when she understood that the tree was good for food, which it was not, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise, now that thought that the Satan planted is now taking root in her affections. Now, now she's, she's having a desire towards the tree instead of keeping her desires on God who was good. All she had to do was look around at everything that God had already given. But she took the bait. And then what does it say after that? She took of his fruit, she acted, and she ate, and also gave some to her husband. Think about that. Because why I'm saying this is, is this to show us the, the reality of God's word, the importance of God's word. And the New Testament have tons of scripture, right? Paul in 2 Corinthians tells us to cast down strongholds. And bring them in, in uh, obedience to Christ. All these lofty opinions to try to exalt themselves above what? Knowledge of God. Knowledge of Christ. In Philippians, he tells us whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is holy, whatever is good. Think on these things. Not whatever you feel or, or what the status quo is or, or what's the new thing. No, he said whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is praiseworthy. Think on those things. Meditate on those things. Think about how God has been good to you. Think about all the times that God has delivered you. That's what it means in the Psalms when it talks about the testimonies and his wondrous works. Those things that God has already done. And so we, before we go back to Psalms, I want to look at one more New Testament text that, that, that really moved me in my heart. 
And it's, it's Romans 12. And Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, now think about that. Because it, it's, it's a lot going on here. And when I dug into the text, it, it just blew my mind. He says, first, I appeal to you. And when he says, therefore, in light of the things I said, not just immediately before that, but the previous 11 chapters, by the mercies of God, that, that in the first three chapters, you were a sinner, that God justified you by faith, that you have peace with God. There's no condemnation because God put you in Christ. There's no wrath for you because your sins are forgiven, so forth and so forth. He said, by the mercies of God, listen to what he says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So just like the psalmist, Paul is starting on the outside. He's starting with the obedience. Offer your bodies up as a sacrifice. But if we ask the question, how do we do that? He tells us. He said, which is your spiritual worship. But, but this is where it turns. Because that word spiritual can be translated rational. It's the same word that Peter uses in his book, which until I dug into the Hebrew, I never knew what it really meant. When he said, like a newborn baby, desire the rational milk, desire the spiritual milk. So what is Peter saying? He said, not the milk that feeds your body, but the milk that feeds your soul, the milk that feeds your mind, the word of God. So Paul is saying the same thing. He said, which is your spiritual worship, your rational worship. When you get your mind right, then you can offer up your body to God. He says, go back. Think about his mercies. That's the mind. Think about how God has been good to you. He gave you faith. He regenerated you. He justified you. He reconciled you to Christ. He put you in Christ. Yeah. There is no condemnation. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven. He said, think about that. Let that roll over in your mind. Meditate on it. Pray on it. Speak it to God. Praise him and then offer your bodies up as a living sacrifice. Yeah. And we know he says that because he goes on and, and, and gets more specific. Do not be conformed to this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. We, we see the righteous man and the blessed man in this passage because he was tempted to conform to the world. When you conform, you simply take in the mold and the shape of something else. He was tempted to take the mold and the shape and the uh, uh, image of the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer. God doesn't conform us to the image of Jesus. He don't conform us to the image of Jesus. He transforms us. When you transform, your nature changes. So another way to say being conformed to the world is don't be fake like the world. I can go around these people and act a certain way, go around these people and act a certain way. That's conforming. But God said, I will transform you. He changes our nature. He said in 2 Corinthians, we go from one degree of glory to another. So no, we're not conformed to the image of Christ. It's not a fake image. It's a real image. He changes our nature. 
This is the reality. This is the true way of blessing. God's presence, faith and trust in him, meditating on his word. Your affections being bent towards his word and your actions in line with his word. And then the psalmist drives home the point even more with the simile that he gives. He said, that man, that man who meditates on the word, that man who delights, he is like a tree. Planted. A tree don't plant itself. This is God's doing. Planted by the streams of water that yields his fruit in this season, in his season. Not immediately. It's trials and tribulations. And then it goes into detail. Listen to the detail. His leaf will not wither. His leaf will not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And as we can see from, from the simile, right, it's, it's not a, a physical or material prospering, but it's an eternal prospering from God's presence, from meditating on his word, from your affections being bent towards his word and your actions aligning with his word. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, abundantly sourced, abundantly supplied, bearing fruit, whose leaf does not wither, and who prosper in all that he does because the Lord is with him. Think about that. That's real Christianity. That's real Christianity. One, the tree don't plant itself, and two, the tree doesn't bear fruit for itself. The tree don't bear fruit to eat the fruit. The tree bear fruit for other people to eat the fruit. What's the reality of your faith? Are you living on a righteous path, the, the path of blessing, delighting and meditating on God's word? It having preeminence in all of your life, not just the things you want to submit to or the things you agree with, but what it says So the blessed person, the righteous person lives according to God's word. He doesn't say, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about my husband and wife? How do I feel about my kids? How do I feel about my job? How, how do I feel about my church? No. He says, what does God's word that is truth say? How I should think about this? How should I think about God's church according to his word? Not how I feel about God's church according to his world. word. Excuse me. That's, this is the way of the blessed man, a man that is of the word. Think about that. That's why Paul was saying, don't be conformed to this world. But again, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, your nature is changed. And then he says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that's the reality of this simile. Another way to say it, Paul said, when you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're not only in the will of God, but you proving the will of God, the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God by your transformed mind. Because you respond differently in circumstances. He told the Romans like this, we not only rejoice in the future hope of God's glory, but in our present circumstance, we rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character deepens our hope for that glory. 
So we actually prove God's will, starting with the mind. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? And then as the, the psalm transitions, it says the wicked are not so. That's a double negative in Hebrew. It says not so with the wicked, not so. It doesn't just come and say, in all that he does, he prosper, yet the wicked are like chaff, but it prefaces it with the wicked are not so. And what that is telling us is that everything that's true about the righteous person is not true about the wicked. They're not meditating on God's word. They have no affections towards God's word. They don't do God's word. And so they are not like a tree planted by the waters that's abundantly sourced, abundantly supplied, producing fruit and prospering in everything that they do. But contrary, they're like chaff that the wind, chaff that the wind drives away. And back in the day, they would go up to the mountaintop with a, with a, a threshing fork and, and, and throw the grain in the air. And because of the heaviness of the wheat, it would fall back down. And, and because of how light the chaff was, it would be blown away by the winds. It's transient. It doesn't last. They have no spiritual vitality, no spiritual life. And then the psalmist says, therefore, in light of everything that been said, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Just as the blessed man would not stand in the congregation of the ungodly, the wicked would not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Think about that. And say he would not stand. He can't stand. So not only would they not stand in a final judgment, but it said, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, but even among the righteous. And then the scripture says, for the Lord knows he's intimately acquainted with the way of the righteous. And on the contrary, the way the wicked would perish. So the psalm started, blessed is, and now it said the wicked will Hebrews 9.27 says that it's appointed for all men to die and then a judgment. How will you stand? How will you stand? That should cause us to be sober. How will you stand? Because even as we was talking about the wicked, even as we was talking about the sinner, even as we was talking about the scoffer, we were talking about the obvious. But what about inside the church, the visible church? Because religion applies to this, too. The blessed man don't walk in the way of religion. Just coming to church, just doing the things that, that's OK, because listen to what I said, you thinking rightly, you feeling rightly and you doing rightly. The religious person just skipped the first two and do and think God is pleased with that. But he said that too is chaff. chaff. Right. It starts with truth. That's the danger when we say we don't need doctrine. All I need is Jesus and, and all these other cultural cliches. Even before the fall. Saints. They had to hold to the word of God. Adam in an unfallen state had to cling to the word of God. The minute he didn't, what happened? He fell. It wasn't no different. 
The minute he stopped thinking rightly, feeling rightly, and choosing according to God's word, he failed. Jesus, the perfect picture of the blessed man, came. And what did he say? I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. My bread is to do his will. Not my will, but nevertheless, your will be done. He woke up and he prayed. When he was tempted, he fought with the word of God. And so as I go back to the beginning and and closing and say, blessed is. His delight is, is a present active verb, which means it's continual. It's something that's ongoing. Not blessed was the man that did this. That's, that's getting into religion. Hey, I did this. Now, this should happen. Or blessed will be the man. Hey, I did this, so I know my blessing coming. No, blessed is the man who continuously. It's a fight, saints. It's a fight. That's why the psalmist said, how can a man keep his way pure? By taking heed according to your word. Your word I hid in my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against you. It's a fight. And so as I close, I, I just want to read some text and, and, and I'm done. But I just want to balance that, right? Because I know we can make it seem like it, the blessed life is the perfect life, right? Because if we go back to the simile, right, the, 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 the wicked that are like chaff, right, think about the conditions. That's the same condition that the tree is growing in. The desert. It's hot, it's humid, it's arid, not well watered. So the psalmist is telling us that that the the blessed life is is not the perfect circumstances. It's having God in the midst of the jacked up circumstances, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of all the, 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 the bad conditions that we deal with. In those conditions, the tree will flourish. In those conditions, the tree will be well watered. Why? Because he's being supplied by a unlimited God, a God that has resources that can't be exhausted. So listen to the person who had actually material wealth, monetary wealth, and lost it all. And I want to know if he lost his happiness. Job, the richest man in the East. And I'm going to start backwards like him. I'm going to start at the end. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that the last day he will stand up on the earth. After my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. This is a man that lost everything, including 10 children. What did he say when he lost all this stuff? If we think that's the way to happiness, if you think that's the way to happiness, more fame, more money, more men, more women, more, 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 more. Joe had it, was stripped of it, and he said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I returned. The Lord gave, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In chapter 2, when his health had gave way, and his wife said, just, just get it over with and curse God. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women. Not calling her foolish. She just lost 10 children, right? But you speak as one of the foolish women. Shall we receive good from God but not evil? 
arguing with his friends on how they charging him with doing something. And Job standing his ground, he said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Do that sound like a blessed man to you who's holding on to the word of God in the midst of pain and suffering and have absolutely nothing in this world, not even his health? Yet the righteous holds his way, and he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. He knows the way that I take. When he tried me, I should come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and never turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I treasure the word of his mouth more than my daily food. Do that sound like a blessed man? Is that your idea of a blessed man? Is that your idea of a happy man? And so I just want to leave you with that. If you find yourself in in, in the the path of the righteous, press on. Press on. It's not going to be pretty. It's a fight. It's a battle. Meditate on the word. And if you find yourself on the other path, it's still hope. Because it says the way of the wicked will perish. Future. And so if you don't know Christ, I, I challenge you as the scriptures challenge you, repent. Repent. Repent of your own counsel. Repent of your own way. Repent of the seat that you're sitting in. Humble yourself before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Because Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And he said, many are on that path. And he said, the path that leads to life. And this text always just, just baffled me. He said, not only is narrow, but he said, few even find the path. Few even find it. And so as we close, the song that we just seen is nothing different. It always been two ways, even though the world tells us there's many ways. It always been the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of woman. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Children of the light and children of the darkness. The sheep and the goats, the tares and the wheat. This is biblical truth. Let us close in prayer. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are, Lord. We know that you're sovereign, O oh God. We know that you are merciful and gracious and loving God. Just as the most well-known scriptures say, that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever believeth shall not perish, but have eternal life, O oh Lord. Those who are walking in the way of the righteous, Lord, you know their way. They have an intimate, personal relationship with you, Lord. You know the way because you paved the way. You went before us. And as the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. We don't walk in darkness because of your word, Lord. So strengthen the saints, O God. Let your strength be made perfect in their weakness, O Lord. Just as Jonathan Edwards said, the more joy they experience, Lord, the more you are glorified, O Lord. And if people don't know you, O God, I pray that you will open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. Those who are trees planted by streams of water, Lord, let them uh, uh, bear fruit, Lord, for others. And their evangelism, and their witnessing, and their lives, Lord God, let us not fail to preach the gospel. And I praise you, O God. And we ask all these things and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.